The gospel reading this morning is from St. John, chapter 14, verses 23 through 31, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1676. The Gospel of John 14, 23 through 31. Glory to you. John records, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. And if you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. And I will not say much more to you. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Pentecost, a celebration. You'll notice in the Scripture readings this morning, we had Genesis 11 about the Tower of Babylon, and then we had Acts 2, the apostles received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and then Jesus foretells of the Helper, the Holy Spirit, that will teach you all things. And, and you may wonder, how are all of these things connected? And let me see if I can weave that thread through that Scripture because it wasn't just accidentally placed that way. There is a purpose. We know that uh, 
we're going to see God interceding because man at his very core is fleshly and sinful. We go to the Tower of Babel, the account of that. We can't help but tie it in to the account of Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, that's a stretch, Pastor. How are you going to do that? Well, really quickly, and you'll be glad of that. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Everything's going wonderful for them. We have that beautiful song that says, And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he says that I am his own. Right? Everything was just ducky until the prince of this earth in the form of a serpent comes up and says, and I'm paraphrasing, did God really say you can't eat of that? Well, yeah, he says, if I eat of it, I'll die, said Eve. And he goes, you're not going to die. Let me just tell you, God doesn't want you to be like him. Have a bite. And she did. And he did too. Sin. Man wanting to be like God, wanting to ascend up to God. Tower of Babel bunch of men get together work program what a construction site that must have been tower of babel went up to the stars or so they thought it was first said that it was a ziggurat have you ever heard of the ziggurat building it it uh, is down there in laguna niguel i think it is and uh and it houses uh government agencies and especially the most wonderful one the internal Revenue service. And if you notice the building, it kind of goes up and then it stares up and then it stares up and it stares up like that, almost like a pyramid, if you'd seen it. That's a ziggurat. And the ziggurats, the way that this would have been built, they would have had their food storage on the bottom and at the very top, the men planned to have a, a point to watch the stars. And so God wasn't just so upset that man was doing something aside from what he had ordained as building. He could see that with one language, they were getting full of themselves. With one language and working together, there wasn't going to be this room for his people to tell his story. Sin. Today's terms. Way back when, after I graduated from college, I got hired by a company called Johns Manville. And there was a time that you couldn't drive down a street in America without passing a Johns Manville product. A lot of people think of Johns Manville and they go, oh, asbestos. Well, yes, we did. They put asbestos in just about every product we had, from siding to flooring to roofing in, to piping. It was in everything. They were bankrupt and came back out of formation out of being reformed, chapter 11 or 13, I can't remember which one allows you to restructure. They came back out in 1989, they hired me, and they sent me down to this place called Fresno, California. 
And I was a roofing sales rep, a manufacturer's rep. And I went out there and I worked with architects and I worked with building owners and I worked with roofers and I worked with building suppliers. I had the entire chain, my little finger right on the pulse. I was kind of an important guy if it was Manville product being used because we offered a thing called a guarantee. We will guarantee that our Manville approved roofing contractor will put this roof down per our specifications, and when you pay that premium price for that, we will guarantee the serviceable life of this for 30 years with no dollar limit. Sounds good, right? Well, there's some rules. And so one day I was down at Fresno State, California at their big football stadium where the Bulldogs play. That's what they say. And there's a big roofer out there, and I tell you what, and he's putting down that roofing, and his guys are doing it. And I go up there, and here's a couple things that God gave me. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I can count, and I can read. And I counted not the no enough layers of, of uh, roofing felt that was on there with asphalt being put down on there, and I could see that it was not the right kind because I read it, and I could see the color, and I stopped that job. Now, this roofing contractor was a little bit upset. And I couldn't really speak to his, his workers because they were from south of the border. So we had a little communication. What I'm saying is I had my own little Tower of Babel problem. I had to put a, a work stoppage on there, and that's what God did. God came down and said, all right, we're going to confuse their language. And all of a sudden, language confused, and the job was shut down right then and there. God did a much more thorough job dealing with sin and disobedience than I ever could or that you ever could, but that's what he did on that job site. He stopped them. So from the Tower of Babel, we all of a sudden come into Pentecost. And in Pentecost, let's take a look at it, what it meant from a, a Jewish standpoint. Now, Pentecost can be uh, tied into um, the Tower of Babel in a couple of ways. Tower of Babel, man going up to God. Pentecost, God coming down to man. Tower of Babel, nobody could understand what anyone was saying. Different languages. What? No, I said, bring me a two-by-four. <laughs> no parlay. <laughs> right? No abelé. I don't get it. Pentecost, up in that upper room, after the Holy Spirit came down upon them, people from all around that were there for the celebration of the feast heard the gospel in their own language. Man goes up, messes it up. God comes down, fixes it. One language, God speaks the gospel and it reaches out to all. That's kind of the difference. But let's talk about the Pentecost uh, from a Jewish standpoint. This is a period of waiting for the Jews. It can be tied into um, a couple of things. Number one, the Passover. 
Pentecost happens 50 days from the Passover. 50 days. And you can also tie it to the Jewish celebration of Jubilee. Have you ever heard of Jubilee? Have you heard of that? Let me just tell you a little bit about it, because if you hadn't heard it before now, you're going to say, boy, we ought to put this in the United States of America. Jubilee is an amazing time. On the 50th year of Jubilee, this is what would happen. On the 50th year of Jubilee, it meant that uh, all slaves would be set free. So anyone that sold themselves into slavery would be set free. The next thing that's pretty remarkable during the 50th year of Jubilee is that all debts would be forgiven. You got a, a pretty hefty balance on your visa card? Forgiven. Not only that, is that if you had land and you had sold it and it had gone from your family, your original owners for years and years, it came back to you. It was yours again. So debts are forgiven. And then the third part of it is rest. Rest. The land was given rest. It was given a time out to recuperate rest. So slaves set free, debts forgiven, and rest. Hang on to that. It's the 50th year. So we got 50 years to Jubilee. We got 50 days from when Christ, we celebrate the Passover. And what happens at, from Passover? Well, if we look at it from a Christian standpoint of 50 days from Passover, we see again God comes down to man. During the Passover, he came down to man in the form of Jesus, right? Jesus was put up on that cross. Jesus was the first fruit. By the way, Pentecost means it's 50 days. The celebration from the Jewish terms was the feast of first fruits or the feasts of the harvest. And so it is a celebration where Generally speaking, we would come and give him his first fruits. We would bring God something. Why do we do that? Why, why, does, why did the Jews and why do Christians, why do we bring the first fruit? And whatever amount it is. Oh, I'll tell you because we don't have time to ask everybody. But the, the reason for it is, is that we bring him the best, the first, the best, and give it to him. Why? Because it's a recognition that all of it is his anyway. Isn't it? If I look at all that I have, two very important ones are here. Are they mine or are they God's? If I look at my bank account, is that really mine or is it his? And all he asks is to bring the first fruits. We call it tithing, 10%. That's what is asked for. And that is an offering. It's his anyways. And we get the 90. But it really is his. So that's what this celebration is. And the wonderful thing is, is that in Pentecost, as we see it from the experience here in Acts, God 
comes and gives us his first fruit. And in Pentecost, the first fruit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is his deposit. So we see God coming down to man. We know that there's a waiting period that the uh, apostles, the disciples, had to wait. Jesus says, go to the city and wait until the helper comes. All important, there's that waiting period. And when he comes, what do we see? Well, as I said earlier, we see unity of all. We see languages being spoken. And all could hear the gospel, the beautiful first fruit that God is giving through his, his, his people. People are receiving God. God is giving to man again. Again, he's giving a small down payment towards what is coming. Well, what in the world is coming? Get to the point, Pastor Ken. Well, remember Jubilee. Remember Jubilee because this Pentecost and what God is giving to us and showing us right now and what he's going to give to us today is a down payment. Remember Jubilee. What does it mean? Well, emancipation. You and me are slaves to sin. But what Jesus did on that cross, and when we receive the Holy Spirit in our baptism, when we receive this means of grace today from simple elements of wine and of bread, we are set free, Christian, emancipated. Jubilee. Second part, from the Jewish standpoint of Jubilee, debts are forgiven. Do you have your debts forgiven because of what Christ did? Amen, right? The perfect Lamb of God who knew no sin became sin for you and for me and paid it once and for all. The third part of Jubilee, rest. I'm not talking about the land given rest. You get rest. I get rest. Eternally. And that is how I would describe the already and not yet. You're already forgiven. You're already set free. But we don't have rest yet. But from Scripture that we've had recently, we have the revelation of John and we have the promises that Jesus gives us. We know that in heaven there are no more tears. We know that there is peace, comfort, and joy as we are face-to-face -face with the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. My friends, you who believe and are called children of the living God, you have been set free, and we celebrate that freedom this day of Pentecost. You've been set free by the King of Kings. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen.